And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here from Golf.com, joined as always by Andrew Tursky from Golf.com. Entry specs, Chris McCormick. Guys, another week, more gear talk. But first and first and foremost, Chris, how's the moving going? Oh, mm. that's a that's a hot button topic right there. <laughs> he was just or, complaining about. Should it. I should I not be bringing it up? I mean, that just depends on the outcome you want out of this uh, <laughs> this topic. It uh, it it really depends on the point in time that you ask me. I mean, there's highs, there's lows, there's everything in between. I feel like the range of emotion is just endless. And my new house literally looks like a warehouse. There's anxiety issues, can't find anything. Yesterday, came to work, couldn't find my belt, felt naked. It was weird. Don't recommend. <laughs> I, I, I hate moving. It's probably maybe my least favorite thing. I've had to do it a handful of times. Mm-hmm. I think the worst was moving from Connecticut to the city, and we timed it up on the same day as the New York City Marathon, which was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Trying to find your way through the city in a moving truck on Marathon Day. That was just really, really poor timing. So that I think that was like the, the lowest of lows for moving, but... Everyone after that has been pretty brutal too. So I, I can feel you on losing stuff and just a mountain of boxes to go through. You just got to abort mission once you <clears> find <throat> out it's marathon day. It's like, <laughs> let's just delay this thing a couple days, huh? This this is my ninth move in 11 years of living in Arizona. And I have strategically figured out how to move all nine times in the summer. I moved to Arizona from the Midwest in That's August. That's just stupid. I, right? In the summer. In, in the, the summer, summer of yeah. all times. Yeah. Yep. Why not? <laughs> Got to <laughs> learn from mistakes there, Chris. It's, I, I think that it's just some type of glutton for punishment thing. Like subconsciously, I feel like I have to do this to myself. Yeah. I don't know why. You're a, you're a moving masochist. Moving masochist. That's what we're just going to call you. I think that's going to be trending. And I, I think that needs to be just absolute viral topic. Hashtag moving masochist. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you're looking forward to a little bit of a of a reprieve from unboxing, getting into this week's pod. Got some fun topics as usual, but I, I would dare say this this may be one of the most fun topics. Harris English's putter grip. Mm. I mean, we've we've talked putter grips in the past. Uh, you know, I think about Jordan Spieth's super stroke. Anytime he's just completely worn that thing out, there's usually a photo floating around before he gets it removed and a, and a new one thrown on. Tiger, obviously, going from the Ping PP58 grip into the Lampkin cord. You know, th- there, are, there are some exceptions. Most of the time, nobody really cares about putter grip changes, unless it's a big name. But Harris English, there he is on Sunday, burying every big putt in sight. And... The cameras, even Nick Faldo mentioned it, cameras catch a side of his grip. I mean, can, can you really even call it a putter grip? It it looks it looks like he just slapped like a piece of rubber that he found laying on the side of the road onto this thing. It's frayed. the The top of the cap isn't even there anymore. It's like ripping. It it just looks disgusting. I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna point blank say it it looks really nasty if you look underneath that leather like attached to the rubber i guarantee there's double-sided double scotch tape like it's just attached with tape for sure there's no way it's actually (laughs) still attached with glue there's no way 
that thing is pieced together. Do you? And there's probably so many people throughout the last 12 years that have told him like, yo, you need to change this grip. And he's just been like, well, no, I don't. Yeah, I'm, like check my career earnings. I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna tell me I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. How much have you made? <laughs> and he gets the win, of course. And he gets the W. Yeah. So he can't change it now, right? So, or is this when he does change it? Well, he, he'll he'll never change it though. I think he's gonna use it until it literally falls off, and then he might go the route of JB Holmes. You remember when JB Holmes used the? I mean, it's literally looked like medical tape, and he like wrapped his grip. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yep. I do. Um, I, I could, I could totally see him doing something like that just, just to keep the vibes going. So I reached out to Tony Serrano, who is, is one of the reps for ping. He, he's always out on the putting green during tour events. And I, I, I was like, I gotta know what's, what's the story behind this group? Because it looks really old. And he comes back and tells me that that grip dates all the way back to Harris's time at Georgia. Oh my! Back in college, it's a decade. It's a decade old. It's the exact same build that he had done when he was at Georgia. It's a ping ho hum putter with a ping palm lock grip. Now that palm lock is made by Win, and uh, and again, you know, grips are going to wear out over time. But but Harris's is so far past gone. That the fact that he's been using it for over a decade, a putter grip for over a decade, not the putter head, but the grip, the grip. is just was crazy to me. He's got memories in that thing. Oh, yeah. How many wins? How many birdies he's said. made with that putter grip? I can't even thousands. imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, I cannot even Tens imagine. Tens of thousands, probably. <laughs> it, potentially, yeah. I mean, every and time he tees it up, he makes like seven of them. So how many rounds has he played in the last 12 years? Oh, and practice sessions just on the putting green grinding. Ooh. That's a lot. That's how you get to know your putter that's, right there. That's what that's what Tony said. Tony Tony was saying that the reason why he keeps the grip on is because of all of those memories. He's made so many big putts over his career that there's really no reason to change. Now, if golfers out there are wondering should you use a putter grip like that, is is there any, you know, negative effect? Clearly not. I mean, it's 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 basically your preference. If you if you want to throw a new putter grip on when things when it starts to wear out, go for it. If you want to use it until you're basically you know driving on the rims, go for it. I, there's the there's rims. no and Chris Chris correct me if I'm wrong, but like there's there's really there's there's no negative impact to using a putter grip when it's just completely worn out. It's not like it's not like a a, a set of iron grips. You you don't really need to change it out regularly. It's if it's working, no. There's there's not really yeah, a, a reason to don't change about it. it. Yeah, not broke. Don't fix it. Now, when stuff starts going off the rails, and all of a sudden you are dropping your putter because it's uh, so worn out and it's literally disintegrating in your hand, eh, might want to take a look at something different. <laughs> might be time. Might be time. And slippage would be the only thing I'd be worried about. Like when it's raining, having to grip that slick. Like there's no actual grip left on that grip. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's what I'm speaking of speak, speaking about. of slick speaking of slick putter grips. So when I was out in Arizona, uh, and Tursky and I went to go play with Alice Cooper, I picked up Tursky's Santa Fe, his Cameron Santa Fe. That's that's a pretty slick grip, my friend. That's uh, I, I don't think you need to change it out. I, I had I've had plenty of grips like that, but it it's it's slick. I actually here have it, it right here in the office, and it used to be a it's, cord it's grip. right here in the so office. At, at it one used point to be a time, cord grip, no longer. It appears it was a cord grip. It was grip. a no longer, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whoops. 
It's and that, it's not like I putt well either. This is this is not a Harris English thing. Where it's like, oh, the memories I have with it. It's like, yeah, I've had 34 the memories putts. of all the three putts. Yeah, 34 putts in a round many times in my life. 14 greens, 34 putts. That's See, my if, life. If only you knew somebody oh, in the golf man. industry that could get you a grip. But, like, look at this grip. You can't change that. Oh, I would change that. It's got that. the Scotty crown on it. I mean, look at the, oh, she- look at the shine. When, when the light hits it just right, you, you need just a pair of sunglasses. Right. You, you got to get the shades on. It's just a little too bright. See, my thing is you might as well oh, like your putter if you're going to putt. If you're going to three-putt every hole, you might as well like the putter. That's right. You got to like what you're looking down at when you three jig. <laughs> so that's where, I'm, that's where I'm at in so, my life. Man, that looked good when I missed it. And, and, the, and the slick <laughs> Exactly. There, there, is a reason why, there's a reason why you have that putter in there. We're going to get to it here uh, later on in the pod. But, yeah, I don't think I ever would have – if somebody would have given me odds on – us ever leading off with a putter grip beyond like tigers i i would have said you know the odds were very slim but here we are talking about harris's putter grip it is a cool story not the only cool story from the gear front we also have nelly corda man is any is anybody out there on a on a better roll on a hotter roll than nelly corda i mean she's won her last two starts um she she looks like a world beater right now. Her her latest win comes at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, which is a major. She I would say is a is a bag setup, and you guys you guys chime in here and let me know what you think. But I think her bag setup is one that that amateur golfer should be looking at. Yes or no? Just copy it. Yeah, agreed. Take all the specs. The the copy specs. It. <laughs> just copy like, it. Just copy just it. Copy it. Serious. It's 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 a it's an interesting setup. So let me just kind of do a quick rundown, and, and I'll point out a couple of the clubs in here that I think are worth discussing. Start off with the driver, Titleist TSI one with a graphite design, ADIZ six S at ten degrees. Three wood is a Titleist TSI two with a Ventus Fujikura Ventus red at sixteen and a half. Seven wood TSI two seven wood again, popular club out on tour, very popular club as Turski found out from spending some time on the LPGA. Um, it's also Titleist TSI2, Mitsubishi Tensei AV Raw Blue at 21 degrees. Now, this is interesting. She also has a hybrid. She's got a Ping G425 at 19. Mm-hmm. So she's got four woods in the bag. Um, one of them's a hybrid. One of them is a seven wood, uh, which is always kind of an interesting setup. And I would say, I wonder why she has this, but we're going to be having Nelly Corda on the podcast. Yes. Might as well tease that. So we're going to get to ask her about her setup. I'm excited to, to talk to Nelly about her gear. I know you guys are as well. Irons, Titleist T100. This is the previous version, not the new one that we were talking about last week on the pod that debuted at Travelers. Five through pitch, Aerotech Steel Fiber, uh, which is, I, we could totally get into that. Graphite in the irons. We've talked a little bit about it. Um, wedges, Titleist Voki SM8, 50, 54, 58 with the steel fiber as well. Uh, the putter I want to talk about, I want to get Chris's take on something, is a Scotty Cameron Special Select Squareback 2 prototype that when the bag, the previous week for her when she won, she's won back to back weeks now, and uh, golf ball, titles Pro V1. Might as well just start with the putter, which I think is is an interesting one. So, so Nelly went to, and this is a story that kind of flew under the radar, she went from a She's typically been a blade user. Uh, she was in a Scotty Cameron Select Concept 2 Tour Proto with a GSS insert. And she went into that special Select Squareback 2 
Um, one of the reasons why she did it was she was looking for uh, a blade style with a wider flange, which is what you're going to get in that square back. It's going to have that wider flange, um, a little bit more mass to it. Increase, you know, I guess the benefits of going to a wider a blade, and you guys can can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, you know, benefits would be stability, overall head stability, maybe give you a little bit more stability similar to a mallet. Um, so that was one of the things she was looking for. And she also wanted to shore up some recent distance control issues. And this is what I, what I noticed was she was using a GSS insert. Now she goes to, um, to a solid construction putter, which is what the square back is. And it just made me wonder, Chris, like, Distance control is something that a lot of golfers struggle with, but I always find it interesting, like golfers going from inserts to solid construction. Um, I know Tiger kind of popularized the insert game with the Terrellium, but but kind of where where is like if you're going through a putter testing, I mean, are you offering golfers a chance to hit putters with inserts? Like kind of. How does that all like come together when it comes to distance control with the putter? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's definitely opportunities to test a variety of different components with putter. So one of those being face insert versus smooth face versus milled face versus you know, something that has grooves and angular grooves and all kinds of different things. So, I mean, we're looking for consistency off the face. And, I mean, believe it or not, players associate feel with acoustics. I mean, those different face inserts also provide different acoustics, therefore providing a player with a completely different feel. And everybody's feel is completely unique to them. So as they start to associate this new sound with a better feel or worse feel, we'll test a variety of different materials, whether it be a urethane or an aluminum or a steel or, like we were talking about, a, just a solid milled head and kind of dial in the consistency with distance control as well as giving them that audible feedback that they like to hear slash feel. So definitely doing, yeah. uh, doing a variety of testing components uh, with a putter fitting. When you're testing blades and mallets like against each other, are you using the same hosel? Like are you trying to match the two toe hangs? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, we could, we could definitely take a deep dive into putter fitting because there is, there's so many different components to putter fitting. So really objectively, what we're trying to get to is returning the face to squared impact and visual perception, whether that be a squared off shape or a rounded shape or something that has a full shaft of offset versus a center shaft with no offset. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a variety of different shapes and different uh, optics on top of the putter that really influence how a player not only addresses it and aims it, but also returns it through impact. So there's there's a lot of testing that goes into just kind of dialing in what that player sees and how they perceive it at address, and then also how they're able to return it consistently at impact to maintain stability in the face. So there's, there's a lot that goes into putter fitting. I mean, a typical putter fitting for us at TrueSpec takes about 90 minutes. So we're testing everything from weight and shape and optics and the different flange or hosel configuration, length, uh, lie angle, loft, grip size, grip shape, and there's there's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot of variables right there. It's uh, that's why we we take that 90 minute time period yeah. because there is so much that goes into it, and linear influence plays a, a huge part in just how a player visually perceives that putter at address linear influence 
Yep. So something that is squared off versus rounded. And also same thing when you're talking about grips. I mean, linear influence in grip, a, a grip that has definitive edges in it versus something that's round. Oh, that influences your rate of release, influences your tension on the grip, influences even how you aim it, how you return it through impact. There's a lot of things just with a simple grip change that make a huge difference in consistency, especially when you're under the gun and you got that, that four-foot tester coming back for that three-putt. seems daunting to find the right putter when you put it like that. There's like 95 things going on. It's it's a lot. Like I said, it's, we, it's, could, we I'm, could definitely I'm glad, dive I'm glad into that. that. You said that. <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned three the three putt because I was gonna say I know that Turski three putts with that Terellium pretty regularly, but do you notice when you're when you're trying the Terellium versus something that doesn't have an insert? Do you, do you notice there's a little bit of an adjustment period when you're trying to get distance control down? Um, I would say when I test different putters like the feel of my putter is just so much different. And I would say it's so much lighter. Like I feel it in the grip, I feel it in the shaft, I feel it off the head. Especially when I try like a new putter, I feel like new putters are mostly heavier. And they're a little bit more like heavier. solid, yeah, sure. you know? Yeah, the, well you're absolutely correct. Yeah. I mean, and spending a lot of time with Dave Adele, he, he categorizes players into essentially two primary categories being radial putters or linear putters. Mm -hmm. And you and I were kind of talking about this a couple weeks back and how you accelerate the head and or handle through impact influences weight distribution and where we want to put weight in the putter to best give you the most consistent feel and therefore give you the most consistent results. So for somebody that likes to swing the head, obviously a little bit more head weight there, not necessarily a bad thing, but somebody that's going to accelerate the handle and the head on more of a one-to-one -one ratio, you might find that adding a little bit of extra weight in the handle, so feel where you need it, might be a little bit better for that particular player. There's no definitive, this works for everybody, just like with, with club fitting. Putter fitting is the same thing, that you test a variety of different variables because everybody's feel is completely unique to them. I mean, there's no cookie cutter, yep, this is your putter, here you go. What's the most common stroke style on tour? Common stroke style on tour, linear for sure. So linear for sure. So we should all change to linear? I mean, all the cool kids saying? are doing it. You might as well drink the Kool-Aid and just <laughs> jump on board with it. I mean, why not? So if well, someone is I'll, trying I'll to change... I'll route and go something else. If someone is trying to change <laughs> to linear, though, what like what should they feel? Don't, well, the like we were saying, feel is subjective. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it really just kind of depends on objectively what are you trying to change, why are you making the change. So if you are a bad putter and you struggle with consistency and maintaining uh, facial stability through impact, then yeah, maybe it's time to make a change. Mm -hmm. And best recommendation I can make to those guys that want to potentially dabble, get with a coach. And get with a coach, get on some type of launch monitor, whether that be Foresight or a Sam Putt Lab or a Quintech or TrackMan, and measure it. I mean, trying to get out on the putting green and figure it out without any knowledgeable advice and no data to back it up there's a big differentiation between feel versus real so you have to have that that validation of okay this is a good change here's why it's just like buying a set of irons off the rack i mean it's it's we talk about this a lot the importance of getting custom fit but putter so easy to just to grab one i mean you, you go to your, your <clears throat> local big box store and They've got a million putters sitting there in the middle 
on in a putting green and you roll putts with one and you make a bunch and you're like, oh man, this is the one for me. Rolling in on a flat AstroTurf putting green. I, I mean, seriously, I, I've I can't tell you how many of my friends I've talked to. They're like, man, I found this putter. I love it. And I'm like, really? That's great. Where'd you find it? And they name the store and I'm like, oh yeah, the one with the flat putting green. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Every, every putt that you're going to get is going to be perfectly flat yeah that's exactly the one that you want to take it well, does feel um, like love at first sight though when you find that well, yeah, putter, there's like, a honeymoon on the period there sure. it's like yes this sure. is gonna change for my sure. life two weeks later it's out of the bag it's but to your point jay wall like you go to big box store x and you roll a bunch of putts on a flat putting green and there there is no consequence there is no penalty for missing that 15 footer that you're rolling across the perfectly level floor but what's the difference when we go out to a tour stop and what is scattered all over the putting greens at every single tour stop, but bags and bags of different manufacturers putters. Mm -hmm. And you'll see these tour guys, these guys that make a living going out and playing golf. They will abandon their gamer to pick up, you know, some new toy and roll it around the putting green. And then inevitably every single week, whether we catch it or not, Somebody is taking something that they rolled on the green that week and going, yeah, I could game that. It's true, though. And if they had, like, a Scottsdale ho-hum, like what uh, Harris just won with, if that was up on the putting green, five people would go over there and try it. Oh, 100%. Like, whatever's hot, people want to try. Absolutely. That's just how it works. It's. I think that's one of the most unfortunate things about COVID that's changed out on tour. You know, you show up any week at a tour event, Monday through Wednesday, there are staff bags with millions of putters and you know putters lining the bags and i i'm there there are a lot of tour pros that when they're struggling it's easy to be on the putting green and just go up and grab a couple and roll some putts and there have been some guys that have actually had instant success with a new putter just simply from rolling putts but because of covid there are no staff bags out on the putting greens so it's it's I think it's probably changed the way that tour pros go about trying to figure out their putter. There's, there's probably less of that just, you know, mere happenstance. Oh, I'm just standing next to a bag. Oh, that putter looks cool. Let me grab it. Um, I kind of hope that, that the bags come back now that it seems like things are starting to get back to normal out there. I saw that the tour in late July is going to, going to get rid of weekly COVID testing. So seems like we're kind of getting closer back to, to more of a normal tour and hopefully that the staff bags come back and we can start reporting on some of those stories about guys grabbing a putter and, you know, maybe winning, maybe top tending. But yeah, it's one of the, one of the things that I definitely do miss from tour. Or yeah, or you go the Hideki route and just bring 10 of your own putters to every event and just see which one's working that week. Or the Dustin route. Not, not everybody every has a, to tailor me. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody has like, you know, a hundred, 200 putters just sitting in a, sitting in a, in a closet like Hideki probably does. I, I would, I would pay good money to see his putter collection, by the way. I want to so bad. I mean, if, Especially Scott, if, since Scott, Scotty if Scotty's for talking it. it up, say so if Scotty's talking it up, you know, it must be good. It's gotta be good. He's got the, heat. so yeah, it's, it's gotta be good. Um, other, other gear, I guess that's probably just worth pointing out, uh, in Nelly's bag. I mentioned the, the Aerotech steel fiber again. I'm not saying that, if you're using steel, you should go to, to multi-material shafts, but man, there are so many benefits to, to trying it. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the shaft manufacturers now that are creating something that that's a non-steel product, you know, before, if you go back 10, 15 years, 
when, you know, graphite was starting to become more popular, especially out on tour, you know, Branson Etiker and, and Matt Kuchar kind of popularized the, the movement out on tour towards graphite, you know, remove, I should say, remove some of the stigma around it. You know, the, the, the big issue that we always saw, and I, I go back to Phil when he was, uh, when he was with Yonix, you know, he used graphite in his irons and he even talked about how wildly inconsistent they were. You know, he would have a shot from 150 and it would go 150. He'd hit it again in the shot, you know, the same shot would go 160. And again, it's, it's an inconsistency in the materials. It didn't really perform like steel. And now with a lot of the, the new, kind of the new age tech that's jammed inside these shafts, they perform and they feel a lot more like a steel product. And I think that's why you're seeing more pros. I think of like Abe Answer. You know, he's he's one of those guys, great ball striker, but also doesn't use steel in his irons. And he's he's found something else that works. So again, it, it's one of those products that I, I would certainly suggest if, if you're struggling with your irons, it's, it's a great option if you like your iron heads. Maybe try a different shaft. Maybe don't try steel. Maybe try something else like an Aerotech. Uh, and then the other... One that we've talked about before, which is the title TSI One Driver. That's a driver that you don't really see out on tour. It's a lighter weight product. We've written about it. Um, it's it's certainly something if you're looking for for speed. Yeah, title TSI One. It'd be would be a good option if if you want to go a little bit lighter. I mean, how how much Tursky? I don't have the the numbers in front of me. How much lighter was that driver? It's like at least forty or fifty grams, isn't it? I think it's forty grams exactly on the head weight. Yeah. yeah. And if you hit the ball too low, it's a great option too. Like it's really going to help you get that ball in the air. For sure. Which most people, I would say most people, like you go out to a Muni, you get matched up with, you know, three random guys. Chances are they hit it too low. Right. Yeah. Everybody thinks they hit it high until they start to hit it high. And they go, oh, that's how high I'm supposed to hit it. Wow. And then that's not even high. (laughs) Yeah. And that's not even high comparatively. (laughs) I don't want to get messed up by the wind. It's like. That's the the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, you still got about 80 feet before we have to worry about that. <laughs> it's only going one. So yeah, That's it. we're going to have Nelly on the pod, as I mentioned, and, uh, and we'll, we'll get into all the gear in her bag and, and have her provide some insights on why she uses uh, certain clubs for sure. And I'm sure we're going to be able to glean a lot of, a lot of info from her that will be able to benefit, you know, the golfers that should be playing, like we said, a setup that looks more like hers, you know, not, not like a lot of the guys that we see out on the PGA tour from week to week. So, um, other topics that I think are worth just pointing out, Phil Mickelson, the ultimate pitch man. There's no, there's no debating this. He's the ultimate pitch man. He posted a video on Twitter. He's, uh, he's got a new hybrid in the bag. He's raving about a new Callaway hybrid. Um, it's a prototype. I reached out to the Callaway boys. Nobody wants to talk. They're not saying I'm a word about there. it. There, they're seen not going to say I saw a word. It at the U.S. Uh, Open, yeah, couldn't get photos. I'm not allowed to talk about it, but it's it's there. It exists. That's really all. You, I can you, say. As as you and I were talking about Turski Akshay Batia, yep. um, he was tested. had had the same hybrid. Yeah, and I Phil Phil and, and Akshay played a practice round. I wonder if Phil had a chance. Akshay's lefty. Do you think maybe he he tested his and I don't know. Word on just, the street just, is that he got a sneak peek at it when they played a practice round together. Yeah, and he might yeah. have tried auctions. Yeah. I don't know. 
Can't confirm yeah. or deny. Can neither confirm nor <laughs> deny. Yeah, that's how it normally is around here. But we'll 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 get some more details when they're available. Um, the other one that I I wanted to quickly point out: Titles T100. I've, I told you all I'd give you an update on usage from travelers. It wasn't crazy high. There were six guys that put the new irons in play the very first week. Cameron Smith, who we mentioned, has a black version of the T1, the new T100. They look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he put them in the bag. Hank Laboda put the irons in the bag and, and had his best finish of 2021. He finished T5 with the new irons in the bag. So um, very early days for T100. I think they're going to just – you're going to see a lot of guys in the, the coming weeks – start to, to put these in play and I think you'll start to see usage go up so um, that's kind of it from travelers and I think this is a good time to transition into um, this re- week's gear spotlight this is an, an interesting topic because we've discussed arm lock a lot on the podcast and we had Will Zaltoris on the pod we had him kind of give his take on why he uses an arm lock putter Webb Simpson obviously has had a lot of success with arm lock since the since the anchor ban was put in place. Um, you know, it's it is it's one of, it's one of those those putting methods. Bryson being another one, but you know, it's easy to talk about arm lock. But I know there are a lot of golfers out there that probably want to know like what are the differences between an arm lock putter and a conventional length putter. What kind of numbers would I see? And granted, we're just one golfer, the golfer being Tursky, yep. who tested it. Guinea but I, I think there were some interesting numbers to be had from this. You you worked uh, you worked on uh, Foresight's GC Quad, and yep. and got the some numbers. Tursky, you can just kind of talk a little bit about yeah, talk a little bit about the the testing that you did. So I took my gamer out there, old faithful. Hasn't treated me Old too well over the years. <laughs> and uh, we have an exact replica of Bryson's arm lock putter. We went right to the source. So we got a sick. I got it right here. I'm just going to read off. We got the sick pro. LA golf. Now how much is that putter, L- by the way? Just, just. Shaft. It's estimated that how it's much what? is that? $2,500 to $3,000, right? No. I think it's, I thought it was, I thought it was 3000 like. Three, three even, I think was what, okay. Was what three the even. Was. Okay, I wasn't exactly sure. Three thousand, three thousand dollar putter. So you you tested a three thousand dollar Bryson <laughs> replica. Just carrying against, around in my car against old three putt. Yep. Yeah, I guess old no, three. No big putt. deal. <laughs> exactly. And we got the JMX Jumbo Flat Jumbo Max by Sick Golf Grip. So it's like a, I would describe it as a half moon, with the flat side facing the target. So when you're putting your forearm up against the grip, it's on the flat part. And then your right hand is gripping the underside of the moon. Now, I'm not an arm lock expert. I haven't got like an arm lock putting lesson, but I got sent the putter about a month ago. I've been messing around in my, my living room and taking it out to the putting green every now and then. I haven't put it in play for 18 holes, but I really wanted to do this test and get some numbers to see what's going on. And I haven't even seen my numbers with like my gamer in a while. So it was eye opening. Yes, my stroke is pretty bad. Yes, I'm very inconsistent with the gamer. But the question is, is arm lock better? Is Bryson's replica putter better? Now, 
here's how we did it. We went inside on, how would you describe it? Their little putting turf? Putting platform, yeah. Yeah, putting platform. Flat, we did <clears throat> five feet and 10 feet on the Foresight putting software. So how should I do it? Should I just go through and read? Yeah, what'd you see? Read the numbers? Okay. So from five feet, we had 14 RPM of backspin with the gamer. Not great there. Not not good. That's not, <laughs> not good. really what you're looking for. Yeah, backspin on a putter is uh, it's not not really what you're looking for. And three RPM backspin on the the Bryson arm lock. Also not great. Slightly better. Now skid. You really want skid to be super low, right? So with within a yeah, true roll, a reasonable parameter. Yeah, is that the ball's going to get into a more of a true roll quicker for sure. So from five feet with the gamer. Skid was 27.7 inches, Ooh. which is about halfway to the hole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so please tell of me skid at the conclusion the of this. Yeah. At the conclusion of this test, did, did we make some bends on the on the gamer? or? Uh... Listen, we're going to get a putting lesson after all this is over. The <laughs> okay. point is, okay. let's, talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the test, okay? okay let's, so, let's not talk about Tursky's, Tursky's right. putting. Let's just talk about the, the results here. Maybe a psychiatrist, too. I'm not sure. But, okay. Yeah, so maybe. with the gamer, yeah, yeah. 27.7 inches of skid. With the arm lock, 23 and a half. So 4.2 inches better. Okay. Still not great, but we're talking better. What loft is on the gamer? I think I think a lesson. Gamer lesson, loft I agree. is. Lesson. Yeah, I would. Someone stall. I have it written oh, down. Stalling. Stall. Stall. Stalling. Stall. Keep stalling. Stall. No, but here's one thing I do want to point out: is this is a completely different, and I'm not trying to like. You know, people are going to be listening to this saying, I mean, the numbers aren't like, there's not a world of difference here. I mean, some numbers are a little bit different, but like, Tursky, how many times have you ever used Armlock before before this test? I've never used Armlock before. I tried never used putting. So, I tried long putting. Yeah, you're going to have to get used to it. Yeah, this that's that's one thing I will point out is you know this this test was was meant to kind of show the differences between the two, but at the same time. It's not. It's not like you. You've been. You know, testing arm lock for. I mean, I. I think. I think the numbers might be, a little bit different if you had been working with arm lock for a while. So I just. I just want to point that out that, you know, there. There are some improvements that can be had almost immediately. Like you know, immediately. Yeah, I have. Being one of them. Yeah, I haven't been. Uh, back, arm back, lock backspin dropped. Anything like that. Okay. So yeah, yeah, backspin dropped a little bit. So anyway, give us the numbers. Here are the game respects. 4.75 degrees aloft, Ooh. whereas the arm lock has seven. Obviously, it's a way different style. Lie angle, 72 on the gamer, 80 on the Bryson replica, 80 degrees lie yeah. angle. Just, just a little Straight more up, up right? Now. A little more Straight up, up right? now. Damn. And D3 oh. on the swing weight for the gamer. It's very light. And uh, swing weight was off the charts for the gamer, or for the uh, Bryson arm lock. Swing weight the off Bryson. the charge could yeah. not be... Could not be measured. Okay, so <laughs> let's uh, let's keep it going real quick. Path, 0 0.9 degrees to the right with the gamer. Consistently open face uh, with a variation of 1.4. Interestingly, with the arm lock, minus 0 0.8. I tended to miss it left if I missed it, and with the gamer, I'm missing it right. 
obviously two completely different strokes, completely different putters, but huge well, difference immediately. I mean, I'm I'm not personally thinking about anything different. You know, I'm just gripping it different and I'm stroking it and I'm stroking it mentally the same same way I would. But right. a huge difference in path and face angle. So face angle was changing. We averaged 0.9 degrees to the right with the face angle with 1.1 degrees of variation with the gamer. It's a lot. With the Bryson arm lock, 0.8 degrees to the right face angle with only 0.5 degrees of change. So a much more consistent face angle. And as we discussed, 2.1 degrees right on average, I'm pushing it with the gamer and 1.3 right with the Bryson arm lock. And I also measured 10 so there, feet. They pretty much go on like there. that from there. That's pretty much how it was. I was missing it. Left, if anything, with the arm lock, it felt a lot more consistent from 10 feet and in. And like the face angle measurements show, it was more consistent. Now, with the gamer, I felt like I had a little bit more feel. And when I did the, uh, the on-course test, I did like nine holes alternating from various uh, distances. And I did do a little bit better with the... Uh, with my putter, way more familiar. Sure. Arm lock is tough when, when you get past 20 feet, especially for someone like me who doesn't practice it. But inside 10 feet, immediate difference. Now, whether it's good or bad, I don't know. Am I going to make more putts if I take it out to the course? I'm not sure, but I'm closer to the to square, and I'm more consistently closer to square every time with the arm lock. So You know what you should do? Two putters. Yes. Two. Arm lock I like 10 it. feet it in. I like go, it a lot. Go old three putt from outside 10 feet. Call I'm it in. a day. I'm in. I used to do that. I used to do like a conventional grip from 20 feet and out. Then I'd go cross hand like 18 to <laughs> 7 feet. And then I'd go claw like oh, 6 feet in. Oh, God. Yeah, what the hell? Bad. It was really bad oh, there. Oh, my gosh. That just hurts you're my soul. I've just accepted. I've just accepted being a bad right. <laughs> That just that just makes my head hurt. Oh about man, it. so much. Bo- going on. Bottom line, Tur- Turski could benefit from two putters. I think that I think that if you if if any of those numbers make you go, hmm, should I try arm lock? I think it's worth like testing it. But if there's a way that you could get your hands on an arm lock putter, or like try and you know, you're, you'd have to get with a club with a club builder, but to, to fashion an arm lock grip on a putter that you have at home to test out on the golf course, yeah, try it out. Maybe you end up with with two putters in the bag, like Turski's going to be having abandoned. <laughs> if you're interested at all in getting an arm lock, you have to just get it and get it in your hands for like a month before you even start judging yourself, yeah. because the first like you get really comfortable week, with it. Two weeks, even putting it in your hand, you're like, this is awful. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. I can't control anything. But then you start like getting your hands on it the right way. You get more comfortable and you figure out like what the piston of your stroke is. You know what I mean? It's it's different. Like your hands aren't involved. Your wrists aren't involved. Right. You know, with a normal <clears throat> traditional length putter, they are. Yeah. Arm lock, it's it's not that way. You're locked in. It's called arm lock for a reason, you know. But I su- I suggest giving it a try. They might be banned soon. So I just I might can't, want to hurry I can't up. Do it, man. I I can't I can't. Yeah, so you might have want to hurry up it, because it might not be it might not be I have. I just I get to, like I've told you guys before, I can't get 
I can't get used to the, like the forward shaft lean, the consistent shaft lean. I like bury the putter into the ground. I'm a head yep. case with a putter mm-hmm. anyway, but I just can't feel that. I can't get like I'll get consist I'll, like I'll hit a couple clean. I feel like it's almost the the putter equivalent for like when I was when we were doing 48 inch driver testing. Like I'm catching <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm catching one clean and then the next like three it's you know they're knee high like screamers. And then I'll catch another one good. It was the same way with that putter. I just I can't and you know I I agree. I think I'd probably if I would have had more time with it, I would have been fine. But I just, I was like in the initial reaction of like burying a putter into the ground. I'm like, all right, this is embarrassing. And uh, I don't think I want to experience this on the golf course around <laughs> friends. So let's just, let's just call it a day. <laughs> but I do, I do think it's, I do think it's worth, worth testing. I'm, I'm glad Tursky gave it a test run. And, uh, and who knows, maybe, maybe there are two putters in your future. Because 60 feet, like 60 feet, I hit a couple uh 60 footers with the arm lock. It's just not even realistic. It feels like you're you know, leaning back so hard on it to try to get any sort of momentum. Yeah, it's tough. Two putters. It to gives you a little bit out. more respect for Bryson. Bryson and Webb, how yeah. good they are with our, with arm lock. gives you a lot more respect for, especially on the long putts, I would agree. Absolutely. So we've right. got, so. we got two putters. we got seven wood, 11 wood, <laughs> and then driving iron. Luckily, Dude. I don't play like USGA tournament. Golf. <laughs> I could just go out there with 22 clubs in the bag. I thought I thought Alice Cooper's setup with uh with with you know all hybrids was yeah. uh was an interesting one, but I think Tursky's future setup might might beat that pretty handily. And get some uh, lefty clubs in there too. Love it. Yeah. Really just really just really screw with people's brains. <laughs> uh okay, you know one thing we haven't done in a while? We haven't done any <clears throat> questions from the equipment mailbag. And I I'm guilty of it not checking the DMs on Instagram caught had a couple of good ones. I just want to throw these out. I'm just going to do a little rapid fire with them. The first one is somebody said random thought I had this morning. If you took any pro walk them into PJ tour Superstore and got a set of clubs from straight off the rack, what do you think the impact would be on their score? Do they have an opportunity to practice with them first or do they just take them straight from the store to the golf course and tee it up on straight one? off, straight off the rack, straight off the rack. Mm. That's like getting a rental set when you show up. Yeah, but do they have a chance to hit them before they walk to the first tee, or are they just sure. showing up? Yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they they can they can hit like twenty balls. Let's just say you're gonna you're gonna get a quick quick little warm up before your uh, your five thirty a.m. tee time. Quick little small bucket. Time for a quick bucket. <laughs> I I'd say they're still breaking par. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, I they're pre- they're breaking I par mean, regardless. <clears throat> well, okay, and this was this was my question, and it, this wasn't asked in, but uh, this is the my follow up question was, what kind of shafts are they getting from these off the rack? If it's like uh, off the rack set, that isn't you know their line goal and and their like specs, but the shafts are the same ones. I I think they for sure break par. Now, if those if those shafts are, you know all over the place. If it's like, you just are literally grabbing it and maybe it's a, you know, S plus, maybe it's an R flex. I think it, it might get a little bit interesting, interesting early on, but they'll figure it out. I think they still probably get close to par, even with the, uh, with the shafts being all over the place. They would just make the adjustments so quickly. Like mm-hmm. I played with a rental set recently. It was regular flex shafts. Now after <clears> two <throat> holes, I just stopped playing the rental set and played out of my buddy's bag because I couldn't make the adjustment. I mean, ball was going way left, way right. 
once I got the shaft dialed in, I settled down and played better. But they would make the adjustments super quick, right? Like after a swing, they would just slow down the swing, smooth out the transition with an R flex, and they'd be fine. That's that's been my experience. Those guys are so good, and I mean, I've been fortunate enough to to work with quite a few of these guys. And I mean, when they're just relaxed and having a good time, they'll they'll tinker around with stuff like that. They'll mm. put together something that is super long, super light, super soft. And I mean, within a couple swings, they're ripping it. And you just go, there's no chance I could do that. And I mean, you watch some of these guys, they tee it up and they hit it off of their, you know, while they're kneeling and they're still just ripping it on a rope, dead straight. So I would say you could put this one half of one percenters in just about anything equipment wise and the talent level and skill that they have is so good. Mm -hmm. They're still breaking par on a muni course. I mean, you ever seen Rom hit a flop yeah. shot with a three iron? Exactly. He can he can do it just like I had it with the lob wedge. So. A, a, a buddy of mine, stupid. as a collegiate yeah. coach, used to make his players go out and play with three golf clubs. And I mean, even at the collegiate level, these guys could pick any three golf clubs out of their bag, and there's still guys coming in shooting rounds under par mm -hmm. with three golf clubs. I mean, you take that skill level and now amplify it exponentially to a tour player and you give them a full set regardless of what the specs are i think they're going to figure out how to get it done more often than not and still post red numbers I and mean, maybe not competition but i mean you take them out to to the local track and you play around a golf with them i still think they're getting it done and having fun doing it it's a good drill by the way for everyone 100%. go out play with like three clubs or for take sure. all your woods out of the bag or just play with the seven iron like the shot making and the course management that goes into making a setup like that work. I think it's valuable, honestly. Do a half do a half set. I I play with half sets from time to time just with a with a Sunday carry bag and I have so much more fun playing golf and just slinging it with mm -hmm. with a half set of clubs and I'll mix it up. Sometimes I'll do odds, sometimes I'll do evens and it forces you to get creative with some of those shots where it's like you would hit you know you've got an auto yardage where you're just you know what club you're pulling because that's your carry number with that club you don't have that club in the bag so then you've got to figure out are you you know stepping on one or are you going to take one to take a little bit off something else and i think it's i think it just it it gives you some creativity because golf sometimes you we get so laser focused on like all right, man. So this is my carry number. I okay. That's this one. It's like it really takes a lot of that out of it, and it forces you to to use your other side of the brain. So I I would highly recommend it. It also speeds things up too. Yeah. Like, you yeah. just got the seven yeah. iron out there. Hey, caddy, hand me the seven. It's like ten cup. It's all we got seven. left. It's all we got left is the seven. Hit the seven like the John Daly hits uh -huh. the three. <laughs> Why not? Still going. Uh. <laughs> The, the other question, this is a bit more technical, probably a little bit more up Chris's alley, but uh, I did a little bit of research too. Uh, somebody has a set of 2016 Apex irons with True Temper XP Elevate 95S, uh, likes the head weight and feel, height and distance, but is sometimes seeing too much spin uh, in, in the ball ballooning. And they're considering Modus 105 because um, they don't want to go super heavy with the shafts and they wanted to know if if modus would be a good option i i say 100 yes elevate hence the name elevate is a shaft that is designed to produce a high launch with mid to high spin modus is, is at least from what i know about it is more mid mid launch mid spin 
it's it's a good option if you if you like the heads. I'd be curious to hear what you have to say on this, Chris. So you can, I mean, a couple different ways that you can go with it. I mean, the first thing that I would recommend to the individual asking the question is bump the lofts. So strengthen the lofts on the current iron. If you like the feel, you hit the center of the face consistently and you find that you're just launching a little high, potentially spinning a little bit. Well, let's go ahead and just take a little bit of loft off those irons and see if that fixes the problem. Second, we could also but look not at more golf than ball. two degrees. No, no, I I wouldn't go more than two degrees. Now you start to you start yeah, to kind of compromise not, the bounce yeah, and mess, mess yeah, it's, yeah, yep. So I mean, second component of that is what golf ball are we playing? You know, are we playing a, a high launching, high spinning golf ball? And again, if you like the feel of that apex iron with that particular shaft in it what's the what's the scope what's why are we changing shaft becomes essentially fine-tuning instrument so is that going to change the characteristic of the head at all no that particular apex head likes to launch it likes to spin it so shaft you might save a couple hundred rpms you might launch it slightly lower but it's not going to be anything that's going to all of a sudden scrub a player's spin to the point of wow this is a totally different golf club so i would look at loft i would look at golf ball if they like the feel of their current setup. If they don't, then yeah, maybe we do a retro build and we look at a different shaft setup and we still might bump the lofts a little bit. Now, there's there's a bunch of different ways of getting that done, but the easiest route to go down the checklist would be, number one, let's increase the loft, strengthen the loft a little bit, and okay, that didn't work. What golf ball are we playing? Or you can reverse those two. If you're playing a high launch, high spin ball, and you find, okay, is it just my irons that are spinning a little too much and ballooning on me? Maybe a golf ball change is the easiest, quickest fix, then loft, or like I said, vice versa. Test it. Yeah. Those, those are all good. I was writing down notes for a, for a future story. I think that those are all important insights into, you know, that you don't necessarily have to just change the shaft, which is, is kind of the one that I think everybody sort of reverts to is, all right, I'm launching it too high. It's got to be the shaft. Got to put something else in there. But you're right. There are there are other options if you don't want to change the shaft. Maybe it isn't the shaft. Maybe it is golf ball. Maybe it is just strengthening lofts. So uh, well, a if, lot of good insights there. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, look at the look at the playing weight of that Elevate 95 versus the Modus 105. They're not as far apart as you would think. Ooh. So the Modus 105 doesn't actually play at 105 grams. Right. Yeah, that's true. But they, they are, they are a little bit different profile. Would, would you, would you agree? Just, you know, modus being a little bit more mid and, and elevate being a little bit more mid to high. Yeah, absolutely. Different bend profile, but yeah. I mean, yeah. what they say on paper that they do compared to how a player actually swings it sometimes two totally different things. I mean, you can have a player that takes a low launch, low spin shaft and hits moon balls with it because they modify their release pattern through impact because of the weight. 100%. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's something else to consider right there is, you know, the way that you're delivering the golf club at impact, you know, you could totally, you know, have a shaft that could magnify your, your worst traits. You know, if you, if you're already a guy that's hitting it high, probably don't want to be using a high launching shaft. I can think about the times I use the 10 and a half degree or 11 degree driver. It's probably not a good idea for a high ball hitter to be using one of those and banging into the stratosphere. But um, speaking of smashing golf balls into the stratosphere, 
I think this is a good time to transition into <laughs> nice transition. This week's this yes. week's interview, a guy who definitely does that on a regular basis. I had a chance to go up to Stillwater, Oklahoma. Not a place that I I've been to Stillwater a few times. It's it's been a while, but I had a chance to go up there and hang out with PGA Tour bomber, rising star, uh, recent European Tour winner Victor Hovland. Had a chance to kind of go through his bag set up with him. We got into a lot of fun topics. Uh, he is the goat on the ping putter combine. Uh, I asked him about any any lessons that he's learned about his gear since he left college. Uh, talked about lie angles, his crazy mixed iron setups. It's a great interview. Enjoy it. All right, I've been looking forward to this one. Two-time PGA Tour winner, ping staffer Victor Hovland. Victor, thanks for talking gear with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so you're Norwegian. Ping founder Carson Solheim is Norwegian. I'm curious, how big is Ping in Norway? Yeah, uh, obviously golf is not the biggest sport in Norway, but uh, I'd say you'd, you, you'll see a lot of uh, Norwegian golfers uh, playing with the, with the Ping clubs, especially uh, you know, having um, Carson being from Bergen in, in Norway. Right. Uh, it's one of the bigger cities, so um, I think it still has uh, some history uh, still in, in the country. So I remember talking to the head of tour for Ping, I guess former head of tour for Ping, Chance Gosby, mm -hmm. and he re recounted a story to me of 2019 at the Masters. They're sitting there having lunch. John Solheim's there. He's there. Christian Pena, head of tour now for Ping. Um, and you walk up, and they talked about this interaction. It was just kind of casual, but it made a huge impact on them in, in wanting them to kind of pursue you as you were turning pro. Do, do you remember that interaction mm. at all? Did it have any sort of impact on you, like just kind of casually talking to the pin guys? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was one of the practice rounds uh, before the tournament. And um, so number one, you have that first tee shot and to the right of it, there's a bunch of tables. And I saw them sitting over there and uh, I just briefly met Chance and and uh, I've seen Christian Penny around a little bit, but never, never met John. Uh, and I had Coach Alan Bratton on the bag, and he's pretty familiar with those guys. And he just said, "Hey, we should, we should go up and say hello to those guys." And and uh, yeah, we did. It was nice to chat with them, and uh, it was a uh, yeah, good start to a good relationship. So your first event as a pro, U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, and. I was told that mere hours before you're getting ready to tee off, you throw new ping gear in the bag. Were you surprised by how quickly you were able to acclimate to the new equipment? Were you anticipating putting it in play that quickly? Yeah, so I I think I showed up to the week with the uh, eye blades, I think. Right. Um, so I had full irons of eye blades, was still playing uh, my old driver at the time, and then Kind of as I went through the week, I, I think I put in the I-210s in the shorter iron. So I had wedge till 7 iron in the in the I-210s, and then the I-blades in the longer irons. So that was one modification that I made for the week. And then I'd kind of been going back and forth with the uh, tail driver at the time and, and, the, and the ping driver. Um, and um, Christian Pena was there that week, and we kind of did some more testing. And, um, yeah, it ended up literally... Wednesday night, uh, after I played the practice round without the ping driver, I just said, okay, it's, it's going in the bag. Right. And uh, yeah, US Open week, I, I drove it awesome. 
Have you always been able to acclimate that quickly to, to new equipment? Is it just, I know some guys, it takes them longer to kind of get comfortable with something. Have you always been a guy where it's been like, look, if it works in testing, I'm, I'm good putting it in the bag pretty quickly? Yeah, I think if, I, I wouldn't do it unless I didn't think it would be better and it wouldn't help me. Right. Um, so I think if, it, if I see in practice, or I mean, it could just be on the driver range. If it just feels good and I could see it already performing better, uh, or different in a way that I like, it, that's enough for me to just kind of convince myself that, okay, this is going to work and I'll, I'll put it in. If you're still like, yeah, I can, I can see this is better, but I'm still hesitant, that's kind of where uh, you're going to have some issues. So you just kind of have to commit to it. So I talked to Ping Tour Rep Kent Notes, and he said that you really enjoy the testing process. He said you, you just like, you seem to have fun with it. Have you always enjoyed testing and kind of tinkering with, with new gear? Um, I wouldn't say like enjoying the testing itself. I think it's I know it's got to be rigorous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would say it's more the uh, pursuit of just trying to find something that's better. Just finding an edge that it's like, okay, I didn't have this shot before, but with this club, and if we tweak it like this, I can actually do this shot better. So I think it's just the the uh, yeah, just the pursuit of trying to trying to get better. I think that's cool, and uh, the stuff that they can they can do with those clubs, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. So when you're working your way into a new driver, let's say Ping G425, what, what are you like waiting? What's more important to you, dispersion or distance when, when you're testing? Um, I'd say obviously it's a combination of both. Um, one thing that I personally noticed with, with that driver um, was that uh, at the time when I was kind of testing both, I, I had a little spinnier ball flight and uh, the G425 kind of brought the spin down a little bit, so I was able to get more yards. Now that doesn't mean that it's it's gonna work for everyone, but that's what it did for me. And and uh, at the time, again, I had a little bit of an overcut. Um, and at the time, I, I kind of wanted to see a little draw. Um, and for me, that driver had a little bit bias towards the little draw. So I thought, you know, this is a slam dunk, and it's uh, it's going right in the bag. So I know you tested. 47 and 48 inches. <laughs> um, Phil wins with 47.9, 116th under under the legal limit. Does does that? Do you think about it at all? Do you ever do you ever go? Maybe I should go back and try and test it again. I know you, you had kind of worked with it. Maybe it didn't work out. Does does that kind of play into whether you test it again in the future? Mm. Was that what he used now at the PGA? Yeah, so really? he, he used 47. Wow. Yeah, he used just under 48 inches okay. to win. I that's, know that's pretty wild. <laughs> um, yeah, so I. I think originally what I had was 44 and and three, 44 and a half, I think. So pretty short driver. And then I started just messing around a little bit and um, just added another inch. So I think mine is like 45 and three quarters now, okay. I believe. And I just picked up a lot of speed um, that it was like, even if it would have been uncomfortable, I uh, can't really you know, I kind of just have to try to make it work because the speed increase was so significant. Right. Uh, so then it kind of got me going, well, what if I had another inch and another inch? Uh, so that's why I ended up with, I had a 47-inch driver and a 48-inch driver, and Ken and I were testing these out on, on the driving ranges uh, at some of these tournaments, and I got a little bit faster, um, and the dispersion on the range wasn't that bad. But again, on the driving range, you're going pretty hard at it. Right. And uh, there's a lot of these courses where 
yeah, speed's important, but you just got to hit like a low one and flight it out there and try to hit the fairway. Yeah. And uh, I didn't feel like I had those shots with, with those clubs. So you're coming back from Kiowa, a golf course where I know a lot of players had to kind of adjust their setup, or at least some of them thought that it would maybe give them an edge. How much are you adjusting your equipment setup throughout the year to kind of fit the golf course? Uh, I'd say I'm in a pretty good spot right now with my clubs. Um, that might change next month, <laughs> uh, next week. I don't, I don't really know, but if I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing, I don't really see that I need to change a whole lot. Um, obviously, if there's there's new stuff coming out or, or uh, Kenton has a, has an idea that would work for me, I'd be open to obviously try that. Um, I, I try to keep an open mind of new things, but um, at the same time, I'm pretty stubborn to change. I, I got I to gotta see that it's, it's better and I got to test it. And I got to uh, make sure that it is better, yeah. but um, I'm pretty happy with my stuff right now. So I know you can't pull back the curtain completely because they're just only a tour-only product, but I know you have the I-59s mm. in the bag, or at least for, for a certain part of your, your iron yep. set. Um, what can you tell us about what testing was like with those, and, and what did you see that made you put them in the play pretty immediately? Yeah, so uh, Kenton again came out here to Carson Creek, and we did some testing. Um, and Because uh, at the time, I played those I-210s, um, which is a, it's a bigger cavity on it. And, uh, but they, they look great when you're standing over it. Um, and they have a, obviously the forgiveness in them is, is great, but I do kind of miss the little more blade look right. um, of the irons. And the, the blueprints are just a little too blady for me. Okay. Um, they're a little too small. So the, the I-59s for, for me were just a really good middle ground. Um, and as we just went through the bag, the the fives and, and the four irons just were, weren't quite as forgive, uh, forgiving as the I-210s for me. So that's when I kind of wanted to do a mix set. Yeah. But at the same time, when I have kind of the bladier look and the shorter irons, to then go from the, the bladier look to the I-210s and the longer clubs, that was it was almost too big of a change. So that's when I put in the I-blades from six to four. So uh, we kind of went a little full circle on there, but I'm really happy with the with the new irons. I gotta thank you because you gave us tons of content with your mixed sets. And it, it's interesting though, because you've used some some unconventional ones, you know, maybe players would think of some of the irons that you use more towards the bottom as being a bit more forgiving that you might use towards the top. And then I know that you kind of flip-flopped it at times. Mm. Um, what was that process? What were you looking for? And and also, do you have to, to really be mindful of your loft gaps as you're, as you're kind of going through those changes? Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't try to um, be too, uh, you know, get too caught up with, with the lofts and the numbers and everything. For me, it comes all down to how they're flying. And that's kind of just how I try to evaluate them. And uh, at the time when I was turning pro and I had the I-210s and the and the shorter range of my irons, and then the eye blades and the and the longer ones, uh, where you would maybe think that would that would be switched. Right. Um, I just felt like I was launching the I two tens a little lower than the eye blades and the shorter irons. And with the shorter irons, I've always liked to flight it down a little bit because that's how I feel like I get the most control. Um, and since the eye blades for me launch a little bit higher. I decided to put those in in the longer, um, uh, yeah, longer part of my my irons so that I could get that 
extra launch to stop it on the greens with the with the longer club. So it's just trying to 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 find the right flight that that, that fit for me. Kent mentioned that to you the most important spec is lie angle. He said mm -hmm. you, you can you can do a lot of things. You know they can give you a club that maybe wouldn't fit you, but you can get into it. But if the lie angle's off, that's that's kind of the biggie for you. How often do you get your lie angles checked on on your irons? Um, not not crazy often, right? Because uh, I know they're they're probably <laughs> in a pretty good place. I uh, would hope, but um, yeah, it's uh, obviously being a short guy, I can't really have upright clubs. If I have upright clubs, it just kind of makes me stand up more and I got to lift the hands and it just does not look good. Um, I wanted to just naturally let my arms hang and, and kind of see the, the club face or the club just laying nicely on the ground. Yeah. So if that doesn't look right, it just, you know, it messes up the whole feel of trying to hit a good shot. So, yeah. I know you put a Glide Forge Pro wedge in the bag what's what's the testing process like for you for wedges i know tour pros have incredible hands touches mm. i mean do you do you have to make a lot of adjustments is it just simply they hand you a wedge and you just kind of start working on different shots what, what's that process a, like? a little bit I, I i don't i don't go super hardcore into the the testing process okay uh for me it's like with with those wedges for example um they had a whole they had a very different head shape to it um you know, for me, they they looked a little similar to to other club manufacturers. Okay. Um, in terms of wedges, and I just noticed immediately that when I put the ball in the rough and I would hit full wedges, the launch would come down come down a little bit because it had way more spin than um, than the other wedges. I thought, um, and I was just able to flight them down. And when you can flight your wedges down, you can have a lot better distance control. So. Uh, that's one of the things where, you know, when I already see that improvement uh, in just a couple of shots, yeah. I'm like already sold. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to go through a very extensive testing process. So you have a putter in the bag. It's PLD Hovland. Mm -hmm. And I know very many pros out on tour who have their name on their putter. I know it's a one-off. Um, can, can you kind of take me through the process of, of building a putter like that? Are you testing a whole bunch of different heads in, in hosels? What, what was it like to kind of get to that final version with Bing? Mm. So I've uh, um, gone through some kind of tailor-made counterbalance putters in, right. in the past. In school, that's, that's what I was putting with. And um, obviously when I went, uh, went to change with Ping, um, I just really liked that kind of that look of the putter. Um, there's, we made one adjustments. Uh, we, we put the because the, there's a line on the putter, obviously, but we, we put that on the, on the top as well, so the, the two lines kind of match together. Right. Uh, so that's one adjustment that we made, but we overall kept the, the same head shape just because that's what I was used to. And obviously the, the milled insert in that putter has a little different feel to it, and now I, I much prefer it. Uh, you can actually, you know, instead of the, the ball kind of melting on the face, you kind of, you can kind of feel the ball a little bit, and I, I feel like it's um, uh, improved my speed a little bit. So again, nothing super crazy, but um, just kind of, you know, told them what I wanted, and they come back with a couple of uh, options, and I say, okay, yep, this is it, yeah. and just go with it from there. Had you used that alignment aid, the the two, the two lines on top? Had you used that one before before you had it on the the pink putter? So I've uh, I've had different putters. Uh, one putter would, for example, have only the top line, right? And then the next one wouldn't have the top line, but kind of the bottom line. Ah. 
so that's where I just like, you know, suggested, hey, can I, can we just put him on on, uh, on yeah, both tops and and just make it match. So um, that was the first putter that I did that with. So at Ping, I know they have a putter lab, um, and they have a combine that they can put you know, pros or, or amateurs, whoever comes through there through, and it's five putts. Uh, and it gives you a handicap rating based on your stroke and, and the role. You have the highest score. Uh, did you one? Did you know that? And two, when you go back there, do you ever check to see if you're still at the top of the list? Yeah. So I haven't been there uh, too many times, but I did remember doing a, a fitting there, and uh, I did. I think I tied the high score. Okay. Um, but uh, since I was the last one to tie, with they just put my name on top. So. They were being nice to me there, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I've uh, it's a it's a cool little way they uh, they custom fit the the putters, and I've always had a, a nice stroke. And as we went through different putters, it was cool to see the changes in kind of that metric, depending on which putter you were putting with. Right. Um, so I thought that was uh, that was a neat process, and. Uh, I don't know if it's been beat. Uh, I can't I'm imagine. Sure. It was like plus 5.7. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a crazy high score. It was pretty good, but hey, someone might be standing there long enough and, and try to beat it, yeah. so we'll see. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a cool one. Yeah. So I, I know a lot, of, a lot of the younger guys out on tour grew up with launch monitors. You know, a lot of the older guard, Mickelson and, and Tiger, those guys, you know, it, they kind of were in the middle of their career when launch monitors became more popular. When, when did you start really using a launch monitor um, to, to kind of work with your equipment, to work on your game? Uh, and would you recommend like junior golfers use a launch monitor when they're working on their game? Mm. Yeah, so the first few times I was kind of doing it was, um, uh, I was a junior back home in, in, um, in Norway and I was playing a few, uh, uh, junior tournaments, uh, kind of in Europe, and uh, there'd be some some scouts from these different club manufacturers, and uh, I got picked up by by TaylorMade at the time, and and uh, kind of went through some some custom fitting processes with them, and uh, he would put me on the track, man, and and uh, we'd go through some shots. So I I you know advise everyone to to get one right. or, and have the chance to work with one. Um, obviously, the main thing is you got to understand uh, what you're looking at, because if you're looking at the wrong things, it's not going to help you. So. Uh, what What have you learned about gear that you maybe didn't know when you were in college since you turned pro? Yeah, so I kind of always uh, thought that if I'm hitting a shot, it's always my fault, mm -hmm. uh, which you know it is to a certain extent. Um, but if you have a club that's um, you know prone to do certain thing. You know, it doesn't, if you're trying to hit a slice or a cut and you have a club that's, you know, really soft in, in how it flexes or, you know, it's, it's more shut, you know, it, all these things make it harder to, to hit that little cut shot. So it's, uh, uh, it's amazing the things that they can do uh, to maybe help a couple things. I remember a couple tournaments I was struggling with slicing a little bit too much and obviously that's my swing that's making that occur but right. uh, I just asked them hey is there anything that y'all can do to to minimize that a little bit and you know they can put glue in the head or they can you know change the the face of the the club and different shafts so it's uh, uh, yeah I won't hesitate to ask anymore last question I try and ask all my tour pros do you remember your first set of golf clubs that you got as a kid 
and what was your favorite club growing up? Uh, I really don't. My my dad bought me some clubs when when I was three years old. I think they were some kind of U.S. Kids um, type set. Pretty popular set. Pretty popular yeah. set. Uh, but my favorite club kind of clubs kind of later uh, when I was about eleven, I had this Ping Rapture uh, driver, this green looking thing, yeah, and I remember that one. And uh, I would just pound it everywhere from the fairway, from the rough, and I mean it was it was unbelievable. That's awesome. Victor, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks. And that'll do it for episode 97 of Fully Equipped. If you're looking for more gear news, you can also check us out on social media. We're at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram and at Fully underscore Equipped on Twitter. That's it for us. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.